Well, I'm, I'm, I like spec parts. I'll sit here and tell you that all day long, and mm -hmm. I, I can explain to you why. But I would like to hear that. Yeah, what, actually, what, all right, let, let me do let, that. Let let me, I want to hear this story because we might be on different sides of this camp. I, I am mostly on different sides <laughs> with, with racing guys about that. Hey, today on Waltrip Unfiltered, we have NASCAR Cup Series champion 2012 Brad Kozlowski joining me. We're going to talk about everything that went down in Miami how he saw the championship battle play out and how his team prepared and ran that race in South Florida. Heading into the holiday season, Brad had a fantastic sweater on out at ISM Raceway. I'm going to talk to him about that. Hope we can find a picture or two of it. Plus, some dramatic battles with different competitors over the years and, and Brad's emotion and how he handled those battles. Could he have handled them differently? Could he have handled them better? We'll talk to him about all that, and we're going to do it all right now on Waltrip Unfiltered. Be ready. Green play, green play. So this is an honor. Appreciate you coming. 2012 Monster Energy Cup Series champion, Brad Kozlowski. And I want you to know that there's so much going through my brain. I have so many questions, and I can't wait to, to listen to you and, and just enjoy spending some time with you. Thanks for stopping by. My plush Waltrip Unfiltered Studios with plenty of props. Got our producer, director, Ford over in the corner. He always has questions from the Reddit machine to, to ask you. So welcome, Brad, and thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, it is a nice studio. I, uh, if you've never been here, those that are watching, listening from afar, uh, you probably won't get to because it's in a secure location. <laughs> but it is pretty cool, and they have rocking chairs, which... Uh, I feel obligated. If someone's going to put a rocking chair in their facility, I feel like you got to rock in it. you got to rock. We're going to rock this. And I, I just quickly, um, you're in the Fox Sports studios today. Did you film something for the, the Hub? And yeah, I filmed something for the Hub for Roger Penske, but it's a secret. Oh, good. So good. It'll, be, it'll come out in like a month. Okay, perfect. We'll look for that on Fox Sports 1. And Mr. Penske, I saw him yesterday. He's He's been in the, in the news quite a lot lately. What? What did you think about that announcement and, and his aggressive move to, to buy Indianapolis Motor Speedway and card and yeah. everything that he's, that well, he's you done? Know, Michael, he's in his 80s. Yeah. Not, and he is going, like, strong, right? He's, like, in Germany, and then he's going to go from there to Australia, and then he's going to go buy IndyCar and buy the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Like, my goodness, if I have the energy... He has in his 80s. When I'm in my 40s and 50s, look out, world. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But what's cool, though, he's worked so hard all his life, and, and this is passion. You know, oh, he, he just, loves it. He does it because he loves it. And buying IndyCar, that, that's, that's huge. And it's a the, big move. The Speedway, I don't know what's bigger. To me, I guess the Speedway, because I have, you know, history there. Uh, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, it is a good question. Which is bigger? I feel like there should be a Reddit poll. <laughs> what's bigger, owning IndyCar or owning Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I, I think they're both pretty good. Uh, I, I'd say it's probably a tie in my mind, but uh, I don't know how he's going to keep up with it. I yeah. really don't. But if there's a guy to do it, it's him. Because, you know, his professionalism and grace is exactly part of what took motorsports to the level it's at now. And I think it, it's somewhat missing in some areas and he's going to bring that back to the ownership side and i think that's great well when you have his his passion his his professionalism as you mentioned grace desire everything he's uh, in, uh, that embodies who mr pinsky is he's surrounded with that type of people so there's there's he has a great team that even though he's in his mm -hmm. 80s i'm sure he's got a plan for for many many years to come oh yes i i am yeah 
But if there's one thing I know about Mr. Penske, he has plans. And yeah. uh, they far outlast even his own livelihood. So I, I give him a lot of respect and, and kudos for that. So I struggle. I don't struggle, but I, I get confused sometimes when I do these podcasts because there's current events and there's what brought you you know, to, to where you are today. So since we're on IndyCar and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, let's let's finish up what's happening now with, with what happened yesterday down in Homestead, Miami. Mm-hmm. The the championship battle was intriguing. After practice on Saturday, I was with Denny Hamlin Saturday night for a little dinner to, to celebrate his birthday. Happy birthday, Mr. Hamlin. And talk about uh, preparing and getting everybody fired up for, for yesterday, Championship Sunday. He said, and I agreed from what I saw, there was no way to pick a favorite from those yeah. four after practice on Saturday. They yeah. just looked so even. Yeah, I, I felt like it was pretty much a heads-up race, and it just was all about not having any mistakes. I, I didn't see everything that happened because I was in the car, but you know, I think that the 19 had issues, and it looked like uh, he was one of the best of the four from what I could tell and never really got a chance to fully recover, so... Curious how it would have played out differently, but the Gibbs cars in general, what a phenomenal season. Yeah, 19 uh, wins. Yeah. That's the most ever. Yeah, and, and they earned every one of them. They didn't luck into them. They probably could have won two or three more that they didn't win. Right. I, I personally felt like I stole one or two of them <laughs> from them. Uh, so, you know, they deserve a, a, a lot of credit for that, and, and Kyle made the most of it when it counted the last race. What was your day like um, yesterday? We didn't have a very good day. We, uh, you know, this season was kind of marked by, uh, you know, the start of it. We started out pretty strong. We won Kansas, Atlanta, Martinsville, all really in the first, I would say, third of the schedule, and then had an okay summer and then kind of trailed off uh, the last third of the season on the mile and a half specifically. We can, just, can you explain that, how that how you yeah, could be so good? And... I wish I could. <laughs> you know, I, I think we just fell off on the mile and a half at the end of the year. We had really good performances on all the, you know, normal short tracks, you know, the Phoenix, the Martinsville, Richmond, all three of those we were top five, top tens. Um, but we just couldn't uh, get anything going on the mile and a half. Uh, how much do you think that is you fell off, or did those other guys just keep getting better and better? Do, how do you, know, you balance that as a driver? Because you know what you're feeling. You know you know whether your car is doing what it's supposed to and when it is, and somebody's out running you, that's a yeah. real pain in the ass. No, I, you know, it's ebbs and flows. The sport is a huge roller coaster, and, and what separates uh, the, the good from the great or the great from the good is the ability to stay on top of the roller coaster the longest. They're still going to go down, but how do you stay up top the longest and how do you make your dips? You know, instead of falling from being a winning car to a 20th place car, how do you fall from being a winning car to being a 5th or 10th place car? And I think that's one of the things that Gibbs does so well. Yeah, and and week in and week out. And that that has to do with a, a lot of the support from Toyota. They obviously mm-hmm. have come into yep, the sport and Re, re, sort of redefined how a manufacturer yep. helps teams. And where where do you think that is moving forward? When we talk about, and I think we have a question from Reddit about the 2021 car, uh, how will Ford and how will Chevy, how will t- whoever the OEMs are, when we get to 2021, how will mm. they redefine how they help you? Yeah, no, I think it's a good question. Um, you know, I think it's one that uh, we're probably all still trying to answer ourselves. Because the rules aren't fully defined now. Like, there's a lot of questions, Michael, on the parts. So right now, you know, we build our own spindles. We build our own rear-end housings. We build all kinds of these suspension and chassis parts. And it's looking like for the 2021 car, that won't be the case. You'll have to buy it from a vendor. Um, If that happens, that'll be a really big deal because 
you know, I think when it comes to some of that componentry that makes up the cars, there are certain teams, certain companies, certain manufacturers that are ahead of others. Um, and when that specs out, uh, that's going to really change the playing field. So I'm really excited to see how that plays out. Well, I'm, I'm, I like spec parts. I'll sit here and tell you that all day long, and mm-hmm. uh, I can explain to you why. But I would like to hear that. Yeah, what, actually, what, All right, let, let me do let, that. Let, let, let me. I want to hear this story because we might be on different sides of this camp. I, I am mostly on different sides <laughs> with, with racing guys about that, but it has to do with my um, my venture in ownership. Mm-hmm. One thing, yeah, but but that's a different. Let's let's. I bet you we well, can. No, let's, let's let's keep talking about this. Look, we got to go into this because there's racers watching this and they got to know how you feel, Michael. All right, what? Tell yeah. me why you like spec parts. This 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 question will lead right into that, and we'll just make this question be a part of that answer. Okay. This question comes from Reddit, and my buddy Ford. All right, what do you got from Reddit about the 2021 car? Well, really, uh, Brad, we have a question from Matt, and this is from Reddit. And thank you to everybody who submitted their questions, and especially all season long. Uh, using the hashtag AskMikey. This comes from Matt, and he says, Brett, what are your thoughts on the Gen 7 car that's supposed to debut in 2021? Well, I'll be honest. I haven't seen it yet. I've only read about it. You saw where Austin Dillon tested it, yep, right? but it was in camo, so I, I really didn't see you it. You couldn't tell. Yeah, and I, I didn't look underneath it. Um, there are things I like about it. There are things I dislike about it. That's, But I'm kind of not entirely – I'm like halfway informed, so it's not uh, fair for me to have like a full opinion. Um, I'm not particularly in favor of spec parts, but, uh, I, I like some of the other things about it. Like it has the grill opening that goes through the hood. So the engine doesn't have to run super hot for performance. I think that's good. I think that'll save a little bit of money for the teams and not really make a difference for the fans. Uh, so there are a few enhancements I like, but the rest of it, I want to see it on the racetrack. Yeah. Right. You know, how it races is as important as anything else. Well, when I watched the test, uh, you know, like you, just pictures, basically. And I talked to Austin yeah. a little bit about it. A car by itself is a car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, who cares? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You're going to go as fast as you can go, and you're like, this is great. What the fans want to see is racing. Yeah, so, yeah. obviously, the challenge lies there. You said you didn't like spec parts, and, and I do. And there's going to be challenges when you have spec parts because you have these ultra-competitive engineers and, and team members that work for Mr. Pinsky and, and work on your car, and they want an advantage. So they give them an air gun. What are they yeah. going to do? They're going to try to figure out how to make it go faster. Mm-hmm. That, that, that that didn't work too well. And so we went through that big storm, yeah. and now we're on the other side of it, and things seem to be pretty smooth on the air gun side. Mm-hmm. Um, same with the engines in the trucks, the Elmores. We've... Had some bumps in the road, a big bump at Las Vegas that, you know, arguably cost a couple of guys a chance to race for a championship. That's unfortunate. Yeah. There's going to be parts failures here and there, and so you got to be precise when you make your decisions, and that's what's going to be on the car. So the reason why I like spec parts is because you and Paul Wolf, you and your team, mm-hmm. you, you, you have these parts and pieces. Um, the people in the grandstands can't tell that you've got a better left front spindle than the next guy. They can mm-hmm. just see your car going around. They know that's Brad in the two, yeah. and they want to see what Brad can do. I like the fact that that if there are spec parts and you put them on your car, then the crew chief still has a big role in how that part affects the mm-hmm. car. You've got choices as to how you mount those parts. And then it comes down to more about what's important, which to me is the two car, the shell that the fans see, mm-hmm. and the guy that's behind the wheel, their, their hero, Brad Kozlowski. So... That's why. I, I just know mm-hmm. that when we were at Michael Waltrip Racing, we would – and this happens at Penske, Roush, it doesn't matter. It happens everywhere. You make a part. 
And as soon mm. as it's done, the engineers go about trying to outdate it. <laughs> yes, yeah. You know, yeah. let's make it simple. Let's say it's a let's say it's a simply a steering arm. You know, something that goes from from the steering box to, to the to the tie rods. It's it's nothing. Well, it is something because it air touches it. So now yeah. all of a sudden, how do we make this 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 steering piece? have two purposes one to be yep, arrow and the other to be structural yes and if it's structural it needs to be mm-hmm. light mm-hmm. and guess what else it needs to be stiff yeah so, so yeah. it's just a constant i don't know i just don't like all that i don't think it adds anything to the sport other than than money okay well we're on different sides that's all tell right. me tell me do you respect my opinion i do but i i think there's a few holes in it so here's here i'm gonna punch a few holes in it yes you're right fans don't care that we have a different left front spindle than maybe Gibbs does or maybe Hendrick does, but they do. And the reason why they do is because they like the product that comes from it. Maybe one week I run a spindle that's too light and I'm leading the race and I'm driving away and I've let half the race and it breaks. And now we have a change. You know, now we have a, oh, Brad was dominating the race and at lap 250 today at the Bristol 500, uh, he breaks down and Kyle Busch takes the lead. That's a storyline, right? That's that's something that happens. It develops. In the, or you get guys that develop parts and, all right, well, I'm going to make this part and it's going to be super strong and it makes my car good on the long run but not so good on the short run. So I qualify 25th, but, man, they drop the green and I'm passing. And I'm driving to the front because I've made that choice. I've made that decision to put XYZ part on. And I've said, hey, you know what? I might not qualify well with that, but it's going to race like a yeah. son of a gun. And that, what that creates is comers and goers. And comers and goers create passing. Right. And passing creates great racing. And fans love great racing. <laughs> well, so if we, if we run up the chain, right, it's a chain of events, that's where some of that stuff comes from. Because you know, Michael, how great these drivers are. If you give all of these drivers the same exact car, and how are you going to have any passing? How are you going to have any side-by-side running? Because one of the things that makes like the ARCA series so great is that the drivers are still kind of learning their way, and they make a lot of mistakes. What about the trucks? In trucks, sometimes that happens too. <laughs> a lot. But what happens in cup is the opposite. Like You don't make it to cup unless you're like, this guy is 99% mistake-free. And so what ends up happening is if you have a car that's the same as the guy in front of you, and he never makes a mistake, how are you going to pass him? You need these little car differences. They add part of, they're part of the show. That's my two cents to it. And I understand it, it drives cost. And I, I don't like cost any more than the next guy because every dollar my team spends on the car, they don't give me. Right. <laughs> so there's part of me that's like, man, shut up, Brad. Take the money. Uh, but I do like watching the races and knowing that there's going to be comers and goers. I like sitting in the debriefs with my team and saying, hey, put that part on there over there. I know it was a tenth slower in practice, but we only did a 10-lap run. And a 50-lap run, I'm going to wax their butts with that part on the car. I, I love that. That's part of my feedback loop to the team that challenges me every day. And here's the, the last thing I'm going to say about it. There are a number of people that think that this is going to cut costs. And in some ways, they're probably right. In a lot of ways, they're not because somebody still has to make the part, whether it be, you know, Stock Car Steel or, or Doug Yates or whoever's machine shop. Maybe it's one of the team's machine shops. Maybe it's your machine shop. It might shop. be my machine shop. I'm going to tell you, they ain't going to do it for free. Right. They're going to they're gonna charge whatever it costs to make it. 
then they're going to add 20 to 50% margin because they got to eat and they got employees they got to feed. 50% is a lot. Well, you know, a good business is 50% margin. 20%, you're going to have a hard time finding a lot of people that want to do it. But anyway, so with that in mind, I don't think there's going to be as big a cost savings as a lot of people think there will be. Well, we're just debating it. And I have a problem as a racer remembering um, a part a specific part that would give me a good long run car versus a short term short run car. Really? Different oh, strategies man. maybe, but and different setups, but not just like I'm not going to change a, a, a steering arm because it's going to give me a good long run car. That's a part to me. Mm-hmm. Now there's pieces that you know setup philosophies. So this is the deal. We we debated it. We agree to think that maybe uh, let's see where it ends. I mean, because sure, because it, it's not finished, right? It's, it's the, not the finished. cake's not baked, right? Yeah, yeah. And and um, so I'm looking forward to watching that develop. Let's let's go back. We're agreeing to disagree. Yes, we are. On, like gentlemen, <coughs> yeah. I agree to disagree. Thank you. Yeah, thank I think you. I'm right, and you're, said, you're. I think I'm right, and I say I know I'm right. No, <laughs> no, we're probably both wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, it'll you be. Know what Jerry Jones says, you know, Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys, he says I'm wrong 60 percent of the time. You are or uh, him? Him. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, I, I agreed with – I didn't know he was. <laughs> so, in fairness, Michael, if you just bet against me, like, you'll probably win. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. not going to bet against you, but I want to go back. I, I told you this podcast makes me uh, makes me happy because I get to know more about some of the guys that I've always appreciated and looked up to, and you're you're one of those guys. Um, and I, I want to take – I want to see what you remember about this. When did you run your first Xfinity race? First ever Xfinity race was California 2006. Yes. In, and, the, in the Love Fifi car. Yeah. Which I think was plus size lingerie, but I never quite was sure. <laughs> Do you remember in 06 being at Atlanta in yeah. an Xfinity oh, yeah. car? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or 07. No, I didn't go to Atlanta till the spring 07. That's when it was. Yep. Yeah. So that, that's the one that comes to mind for me. So we started our Toyota team in 07. Yep. And we're at Atlanta, and I'm talking to Ty Norris, and we're just watching Xfinity cars on top of the truck. And and, and there's this car that I knew it might have had a lot of spec parts on it. <laughs> no, I wish it did. <laughs> it had the opposite of spec parts, but not on the good side. No. It had the, like, hey, this is a leftover part from five years ago yeah. and might run the race. But go ahead. So I towed Ty. We watched, and, and I feel like I'm a – pretty good student of the game and i'm watching you run around the top of the racetrack and outrunning a lot of people do you remember that oh yeah specific i remember day you I were outrunning the entire race yeah yeah you were outrunning a lot of people yeah and i told ty i said go go talk to him find out what his deal is because he he just showed up and and he can wheel one of these stock cars mm-hmm. that that was impressive to me and 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 i'll tell that story then i want to go back you're a kid 11 years old working at k automotive your, yeah, your yeah. dad's like yeah here you can clean parts or wash sure, cars sure. Uh, your dad your uncle your whole family was in racing your whole life tell me what it was like growing up in michigan now i know i'm bouncing around here we're going to come back to 2007 okay but tell me what it was like growing up in michigan as a kid with your with your family all being in racing well it was you know a blessing and a curse you know working with your family is the best of times and the worst of times because uh, the highs are high And the lows are really low. And the success we had together, uh, there wasn't a lot of it, but when you did have it, like it it lasts, like it stays with you forever. And the lows are like, you take that home with you, right? Because you you eat together, right? You you go to the, you sit across the dinner table from the same person you just got in a fight with 
uh, in the race shop yeah. or at the racetrack. Um, and, and so, you know, it, it's, it's part of what shaped me. Uh, a lot of the reason why I feel like I was able to be successful in, in the, what's now the NASCAR Xfinity Series uh, with Tony Uri Sr. when I started to drive for Junior Motorsports was that he was so much like my uncle. It was uncle Ron. Uncanny. Yeah, my uncle Ron. It was like I was talking to the same person. <laughs> but he wasn't my fan. <laughs> so I knew exactly how to work with him. And, and you, you know how Tony Uri Sr. is. Um, he, he's great to work with if you know how to work with him. <laughs> and, and so uh, that was a, a fun time for me, and, and we had a lot of success together. And that family experience helped drive it. But probably more than that, what I got out of my family experience was how to take care of your cars mm-hmm. because we couldn't afford to wreck. Um, how to do a lot of different things on the team. On the team, I did every job except for engine tuning. I, I didn't know enough about engines to tune the cars. Were but, you a good welder? Uh, okay welder. My brother oh. was a good welder. I could like tack weld. I could do basic welding, but I couldn't TIG weld. Yeah. I never figured out how to TIG weld. Right. But, that's an art. That is really an art. And it's beautiful when you see somebody. Yes. I could not do beautiful. My brother could. Uh, but, you know, I did – back then they had scores. I scored. I spotted. I crew chiefed. I was an engineer one time. I was a mechanic. I swept the floors. Like, I did all of did those you do jobs. I did travel one time, yes, yes. <laughs> Oddly enough, I did, yeah. So, I, I, I asked all that, and I talked about this uh, 07 Xfinity race because – when I was a kid, all I wanted to do was race cars. That's yeah. what my big brother did, and and I wanted to be just like my big brother. Yeah. And I remember being, you know, 10, 12 years old. I hadn't driven anything yet. I, I wanted to. I've seen my brother do it. I think I know what to yeah. do. Yeah. Hadn't driven anything yet. And I remember thinking, what if I'm not any good at it? Oh, yeah. And yes. and, and it turns out I was, I was okay, but... Do you remember those moments when, oh, yeah. when you're all in and you're thinking, I want to be a driver? Well, who who the hell is going to say you're any good at it? Or not? Yeah. So for probably the first 10 years of my NASCAR career, not my cup career, but my NASCAR career, I remember going to the racetrack, especially the first race of the year. Uh, it wasn't always Daytona for me, but the first race of the year, I remember going to the racetrack just petrified that i forgot how to drive yeah you know like it's been three months what if i show up at daytona and i don't have it anymore right or what if i show up at wherever the first race is and i i forgot oh my god what am i gonna do uh it, you know it's a little bit like riding a bike and when you haven't rode a bike for you know a couple of years and you get back on a bike like there's that initial moment of panic like yes. do i still remember how to, i'm going pretty fast yeah i said i think i still remember how to do this uh th- that's gone by the wayside thankfully but uh, no absolutely i i mean at the end of the day we get paid a lot of money to drive cars in a circle right i mean it it ain't really all that complicated and if you can't do that whoa you're really in trouble in the real world right yeah. schrader used to tell me that all the time said don't forget we live in a bubble you know and he by golly he's right well the thing i love like i try to go up to the suites i'm a i'm a hospitality guy now at the races when I'm not doing TV. And I, I try to The explain. food's good up there. Oh, it's awesome. And, and they got beer. And Bloody Mary's yesterday, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, I tell people all the time, I get it. If you don't know anything about what you're getting ready to watch, it's going to look like a bunch of guys going around in circles. Uh-huh. And that's all. 
I said, but but it isn't. It's more. There's engineering. There's communication. There's this skill that these drivers have to to run one inch off the wall and yeah. not cream the wall. And and I want y'all to understand everything that's going to go into this. And and so you're so right. Did you say that by the way with the Bloody Mary in your hand? I, I, no, I got that afterwards because I was so proud of myself. <laughs> so let's have a Bloody Mary. <laughs> but but when did you know as a kid like? It didn't take me long to figure out I was better than the other kids. When, yeah. When did you figure uh, it all out? My first, I won my first six races, and uh, that's a pretty good sign. Yeah. That that I don't know of many people that's ever done that because I was really nervous. So I won my first six races. It was in a quarter midget, and uh, I was feeling really good about myself. And then I moved up a class, mm-hmm. and then I didn't win. And you know, you're like, uh oh. <laughs> And then I started to win like one or two races. Then I got a uh, a different quarter midget, and I won a bunch of races again. Like, okay, good, good. Was that your dad's quarter midget? Was that family stuff? No. So, uh, funny story. My dad's a close friend of my dad had built a quarter midget for his son, and his son outgrew it. And I had been bugging my dad for like three years that I wanted to race. I was 14 years old at the time, and uh, he didn't really want to invest in it. You know, he, he was racing himself and all this he had a lot going on, right? And and, and I was this fourteen year old kid, and I was never a, a big kid. I was never like the kid you look at and say, "Oh, he can do this." Did you play a lot of basketball as a kid? No, I didn't. No, I, I was not good at any other sport. <laughs> so my my dad, he was kind of how do you put it? Uh, he wasn't so sure I was cut out for it, how right? About that? And uh, so he didn't want to buy anything. So he just went to a friend of his and says. Your son's outgrew your, his his cart, right? His his quarter midget. Said, yeah, yeah. Why don't, why don't you just take my son to the racetrack here? I'll give you some money for tires. But, so you were you were on dad saying, Dad, I want to race. I want to yes. race. And, yep. and and he helped you figure it out. I, yeah. Well, he he helped me get a path like a demo, right? And, and then that went well. And he went, oh, okay, he can do this. And then we we stepped up from there. So. He he did help me, but it wasn't like we had a full factory effort or whatever you want to call it. It was like, here, here's a buddy who has a car. Go run his car and uh, let me know how it goes. Well, tell me about uh, Ron and Bob. What was it like growing up around there? Because didn't didn't um, didn't Rob uh, Ron drive a Superbird? Yeah. So both of my uh, dad and uncle raced at NASCAR levels at one time. Uh, now my uncle, he raced in what is now cup right in the early seventies, uh, up until the mid seventies. And then he retired and they had a small performance shop, uh, up in Michigan. And then my dad started to drive and he ran late models, things like that. And then through the Arca series into the truck series. So, 1989 Arca champion. That's right. Hey, you got, was that in the notes? Yeah, it it's is. somewhere in there. Good job. And so his Arca championship led him to, to the, the truck series. To the truck series. Yep. And so he ran the truck series from 95 to, I guess, partially in 99. So about five years. Yeah. yeah. Were you were you at Richmond? I, you know, I wasn't. So he won his first race at Richmond yeah. in 97. And I had traveled with him all summer. All summer. How I, old were you in 97? I was 13. So that was a year before I started running quarter midgets. And uh, I went to every track. And, and, you know, back then the truck series didn't run the same tracks it does now. Yeah. Like, back then the truck series were at, like, local short tracks. Mm-hmm. They weren't at, like, Daytona. They were at, like, Flemington, New Jersey or, you know, Nashville Fairgrounds, tracks like that, which was great. It was fine by me. But so I traveled with him all summer, and, and uh, he didn't have a lot of success that summer. 
And I remember just kind of being a little bummed about it, like, ah, you know, it's what it is. So school started. Uh, first week of September, same week Richmond is. School started, and I couldn't go with him to, to Richmond. And sure enough, he went from, like, running 10th to 15th, and he won the race. Yeah. And it was, like, the best and worst moment of my life at that at that time. It was the best because I was so proud of my dad and the worst because I wasn't there. And... Uh, I resented school for like the next 10 years of my life, you know, so that I made the decision right then and there that I was going to graduate high school early because I was going to high school the next year and, and that I hated school and, you know, all of this is a waste of time because I wanted to go racing. Yeah. And if you're watching this, please don't take my advice. No, don't. I'm not a role model. All right. <laughs> Charles Barkley said it best. Uh, now, now that I'm older, I, I look back at it and I don't resent school and I mean, third parts, don't get me wrong. I I'm not sure I was should have been at, but um, at the time I was. I felt like I missed out on the biggest moment of my life, and, and our life's taken me other places, and I, I don't have you know any regrets. But uh, that would have been a cool moment to have been there for. Do you remember? Was was mom home with you, or was she off? No, she was there with him. Yeah. So I was I was staying at my grandma's house for the weekend with my older brother. And uh, do you remember, did you get to watch it on TV? Did yeah, you? I watched it on TV and I had to go to school the next day. Yeah. And uh, it's funny is uh, I had to leave or I, I was playing football at the time, believe it or not. It was lightweight football. And because uh, I was a lightweight, you know how they have lightweight and heavyweight, at least where I went to school, they're lightweight and heavyweight. And so I was playing lightweight football and uh, I was a starter on the team. I was actually, I won the MVP that year on my team. Believe it or not, I know nobody believes me, so it's fine. You know why they don't believe you? They saw that video. Basketball and football are two different sports. So anyway. Um, you shut me right down They there. are. They're two different sports. So I I didn't go to practice that day. It was Friday practice. And I didn't go to practice because my family had gotten home and they had a party because they had won the race. And, like, that was a huge deal. First NASCAR win. Yeah. Huge moment. And where I'm from in Michigan is not really a racing town. And my coaches did not get it at all. All they knew is I skipped practice. And I tried to explain to them why. It was a big deal. And they looked at me like I was crazy. And they benched me for the next two games because I missed practice. Wow. That's aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was the policy. You couldn't miss practice. Yeah. Yeah, so that practice, though. I remember a lot about this for some reason. I I don't know if I was scarred or (laughs) permanently. uh, So after that, I didn't play football anymore. Like I quit all high school sports or uh, at that time, it was middle school and high schools. Just down with it and went straight on racing. Well, and racing uh, worked out. I think. I think of your family. I didn't. I didn't really know Ron that good, but and I didn't really know your dad either. Other than just, I appreciated. He looked like a guy that would roll up his sleeves and oh yeah, and work on the truck yep. and and, yep. and the car and and yeah, and then and then you know, be able to get behind the wheel and, and, and do what he did. Well, yeah, back then you had to. Like, you had to work on the race car and then, oh, by the way, practice starts in 30 minutes. <laughs> you get dressed. Yeah. So yeah, that's that, a different time, but a good time. Yeah. Um, so that, that gets us to, to your, your NASCAR racing. I uh, talked about the uh, the Xfinity race where I, I would have hired you that day to drive something because I was that impressed. And I guess your big I break- wanted you to. <laughs> I know. I, I wanted you to. I, I was ready. <laughs> I was, I was ready. I was trying. Um, but, but I guess your big break was the Memphis truck race. Talk, talk, 
talk to me about how that went down. So uh, the team I was driving for uh, when you saw me in Atlanta, small team out of uh, Kentucky, didn't have a lot of funds. They went out of business uh, maybe a month or two after that race. And uh, I was stuck in a spot, no ride. Like I wanted to race. I would do anything to race. I didn't have a ride. You can't race without a car. It's kind of like basics, one on one. Yeah, or money. And I had neither. So uh, I knew this uh, guy uh, who passed away this year, sadly, Mike Mittler. Yeah. And he was running the trucks at the time. And, and he had somebody else driving, which was fine. And, and, but he had a um, – his team was competing in Milwaukee. And I just wanted to go to the racetrack, just show up. I was living in Michigan. Milwaukee was like a six-hour drive. I'll just drive. I'll drive to the racetrack and just I'm going to be there. I want people to know – I want this. Give me my shot. And so uh, I, I just went to the racetrack and walked around and talked to people and bothered people. <laughs> and uh, by God, it worked. Uh, I, I ran into Todd Bodine, and Todd Bodine was really kind to me and said, uh, hey, if I can ever help you, I will. And I, well, I appreciate that. And, you know, when somebody says something like that to you, you, you take it with a grain of salt. You're like, yeah, that was a nice thing to say, but probably nothing's going to happen for it. Well, by golly, that night, Ted Musgrave was running a race, Todd's teammate, and he got in a wreck, and there was a little altercation afterwards, and NASCAR suspended him, and they needed a driver for the next week. And uh, so I got a call from Todd saying, hey, are you available? I'm like, absolutely, I'm available. How can I not be available? So good, we want you to run this race. And uh, next thing we know, Mike Hillman, who ran the team, called me, and I was in the truck, and I, so I get to the racetrack. That's, that's cool that Todd had that much to do with it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. He deserves a lot of credit. But I, I get to the racetrack, and so I'm going to be Todd's teammate. I'm just hoping to have a good run. Yeah. I, my expectations are, like, I'm setting them high, but they're not really high, if you know what I mean. And we get to the track, and I'm like, well, this truck's pretty good. Yeah, we'll see what we got. And uh, I go out to qualify, and go into turn one, like, wow, oh, this thing's stuck pretty good. And I go into turn three. And I drive down in the corner, and I'm, I'm hitting the apex, you know, the bottom of the corner, and the back steps out. And, I, and like, in a split second, I had to make a decision, uh, this decision. Am I going to, like, counter-steer it, or am I going to, like, go for it? And I floored that truck, and just right at this perfect moment, it hooked up, pointed, and it took off turn four. And I crossed the line, like, oh, that was a pretty good lap. Yeah. That was a pretty good lap. And, you know, I didn't have a radio or anything. I pulled in, and I was at the top of the board, like, yeah. <laughs> Look at me go. That's right. And then so now you're thinking, like, there were still trucks to go. Like, well, somebody will knock it off, and it'll be, like, a top five, top ten lap. By God, it was the fastest lap. Yeah. So I sat on the pool, and I'm like, this is awesome, man. This is, like, all right, anything that happens from here, whatever. Who cares, right? right. I just sat on the first my first pole as a driver. And it was just a huge moment for me. How many late model races had you run or won? Is that, you I had, had ran probably a dozen late model races and won probably two or three. Nice. Not a, not a lot. but Up in Michigan? Yeah, I couldn't afford to run late models. So you go where the opportunity is taking. And uh, so with, I'll keep this story going on. Then the race starts. You know, you know, so I'm filling in for Ted Musgrave. I'm, I'm driving his truck. And I'm um, starting on the pole. First really great quality opportunity, and I'm running, and the race starts, and I fall back to, like, third or fourth. And I'm like, well, we're a little tight, you know, just a little adjustment. 
team makes a little adjustment, and uh, next thing I know, there's like 50 laps to go, and I'm running third or fourth, and things handling pretty good. And I drive by third, drive by second, catch the leader, pass him too. I'm in the lead, and there's like 40, 30 laps to go, you know, something like that. And I'm starting to drive away. I'm like, ah, please no yellow, please yeah. no yellow. <laughs> please course. no yellow. Please no yellow. And so I pull up on the lap cars, and there were two lap cars in front of me. And the car in front, or the truck, I should say, in front of the truck in front of me gets loose. And they all check up, and I run into the back of one of them, and I punch a hole in the nose. Mm-hmm. Didn't knock the radiator out, you know, thank God, but I punched a hole in the nose. And now I'm just like a little slower, like I lost some of that arrow. And uh, the second place truck starts to run me down. He so there was arrow back then too. Yeah, there was. Unfortunately, I, I thought they just—I thought that just came. No, around. it's not. It's not a recent invention. Okay, I didn't know. And, and so Travis Kavapo was running second. He catches up to me, and, and I am like, I'm going to put this thing on the bottom. Ain't nobody passing me. And, and finally, he gets a run, and he gets underneath me, and he he drives down in there really hard, passes me, and I I did the crossover and got underneath him, and I passed him back. And now there's like five to go. And uh, I'm in front of him. He's just right there. And he knows if he makes that move again, I'm going to cross him over again. And we get down in the middle corner in three and four, and, and he just gave me this, this shove, which is racing. And it just instantly spun that thing out. Wow. And uh, so anyway, I didn't win the race. And I, I leave the race just completely devastated, right? And I'm trying to remember, like, man, my expectations going into this race was just to have a good run. And, man, I sat on the pole, let a lot of laps, almost won the race. Like, it was a pretty good run, <laughs> but I knew that it was there was more there, and I was just devastated. So anyway, Dale Jr. at the same time is in uh, Loudon, New Hampshire, running the, the Cup car, because that's where Cup was that weekend. And uh, he had his Xfinity team, and, and they were struggling, and he saw that race, and he gave me a call that night, and that that really cemented my position. That that one day was a huge day in my life. Yeah, and, and you know, we talk about – me noticing you we talk about Ty Bodine endorsing you and giving you that opportunity and that mm-hmm. led you to Dale Jr. and and yeah. now it's getting real yeah I mean fast that's, yeah that, that there's a lot of people I said me noticing there's a lot of people saying that you had talent yeah and the fact that I'm glad that's why I love these podcasts I didn't know Todd had a role in this yeah no I, absolutely I, I certainly knew Dale Jr. did yeah and I'm very thankful for Todd and everything because uh, without that moment, I don't know where my career. I, I tell this to Dale Jr. and I'd say it to you, Todd. I I don't know where I would be if I didn't get those specific opportunities. I'd like to think I would have still made it, but maybe I wouldn't have. Yeah. I know one thing. I'm glad I didn't have to find out. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, I, I'm glad that it. There was not like, oh, those didn't work out. Maybe something else will come up. Right. I'm very thankful for that. Uh, we got a question about truck racing from an interested viewer uh, on Reddit, Ford. Yeah, we actually do. We have one question asking you, uh, ever want to go back truck racing? And it's from uh, a driver you're familiar with, and his name is Chase Briscoe. Chase, yes, absolutely. I think about it all the time. Um, you know, if if I had my complete choice of, like, how I want my career to go, of course I'd like to run cup for the next 10 years. And when I'm done, I would love to make a run at a truck championship just to have all three. Yeah. I think that would be – That would be awesome. 
That would be really cool. You know what? And, and I'm old. It would be a great way to finish your career, I think. My ship has sailed, but when I'm up there in that booth watching those truckers, I don't, it'll never go away. I'm yeah. like, man, I'd like to do that. I'd like to run just one race. I, want, yeah. I don't want to run Daytona or Talladega either. I want to run Charlotte or I want to run yeah. Richmond or Bristol. And, and I, that's what you have to look forward to the next 20 years. Trucks are fun, aren't they? They, they look awesome. So, I, you know, I've, I've got to do the Xfinity broadcast with you. Mm-hmm. I've never done a truck broadcast with you. And I keep trying to uh, – you know how Daryl Waltrip does, uh, did Boogity Boogity Boogity? Yeah. And, and I thought that was great. Um, I got an idea. Uh, let's hear it. I've got, I've got a comment. You all need one for the truck series. Right. And I feel like you have the perfect one. Which is it? Truck it up. Truck it up. Yeah, we're ready to go. Truck it up. Hmm. I get a little bit confused with those shirts called Untuck It because uh-huh. it leads me in a weird pla- uh, weird place. Yeah. So, truck it up. Truck it up. Yeah. Let's go truck some things up. I just think they could be fun. Well, let me tell you my... Would that not be... This is why we're on Unfiltered, so I can make... I, I like it. I get it. Uh, you know... Do you think everyone else would? Maybe when they have a caution... Do you caution, think the FCC would, would get, could crack down on you? Maybe when they have a caution, we could say, whoa, they really trucked that up. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, Brad, don't put these ideas in my mind. That can't. Oh, the mouth. next next truck broadcast. He says, "Well, that was a truck up, <laughs> huge truck up by that trucker." <laughs> we got a truck up in turn four. So, listen, three trucks involved, four trucks involved. Oh, it's really all trucked up. <laughs> it's trucked up over there. Yeah, I like that. All right, let's think about that. But let me tell. You, maybe you could do a truck race with us next year. Uh, this is why I can't. Yeah, yeah. This is why I can't that, because that, I would clearly say that. Well, then I would get fined, and it would no. I I would love to do it. Actually, I really would love to do it. I I shouldn't say that. I I will, I will compose myself. Yes, that's our job. You know, we're here. We can do what we want, but when we get there, we're different people. We have to be composed. That's right. Yeah. And I I enjoy working with you and, and me too. And, yeah. And Joey, like he was cool. I, I I like that getting to see that side of you guys. Yeah. That you come up to the booth, it's something we do every week, but you come up there with your eyes wide open and also very prepared with what's going to happen yep. and add a lot to the broadcast. Well, thank you. Well, it helps because we just came off the racetrack. So we, yeah. we have like, it's like the perfect base of knowledge. You and Adam, super prepared because you got all these really smart notes and you like rehearse. We come up there like, hey, what are y'all doing? <laughs> hey, how about the upper groove? Man, it is dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> I just got done with practice and don't go up there. It's like a good blend. So, you know, you know, you talk about truck it up and boogity, boogity, boogity. I had this idea, and I didn't share it with anyone. Okay. But it was like the start of the season. Maybe it wasn't Daytona, but maybe it was Atlanta a couple races in, maybe six, eight, ten years ago. And the guy on um, American Idol or Star Search, William Hung. Remember oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She bangs, she moves. Uh-huh. Remember that song? <laughs> yep, yeah. So... They they come down to the green and and you want to sing it? I I I did, I did. Here they come to the green. She bangs. She moves. Green 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 green. And I look around and Rick Allen and Phil are going. That wasn't good. That was. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was awesome. Yes. I thought it was perfect. Well, this is what we need Reddit's help with. Is coming up with some kind of fun pun. Well, I think you did. Yeah. We've got to see if it has any legs or not. I'll tell you what didn't have any legs. She bangs. She, she moves. Moves. Okay. You remember that yeah, song? I do remember that, yeah. Hey, Ford, pull up that um, William Hung version <laughs> of She Bangs, She Moves because 
that's what I was going for. And I don't understand how come the popularity of it, it didn't take off. Yeah, uh, I think I might understand it. but <laughs> well, Right now we're holding hold up right here. It's uh, She Bangs, She Moves, uh, of course, from Ricky Martin, the 2000 song. But William Hung, who did it over American Idol. Ah, American Idol. Here, here we go. Is this how you would sing it? Yeah. Now, in my defense, I really didn't know all the words. I just knew you she just bangs, she moves. Parts. Listen to this. See? Oh, you forgot the oh baby part. Oh baby. Maybe if you added that, it would have been successful. Let's see if we can bring that back. You come up to the truck booth next year with one of yours, and I'll have one of mine. Do you think we'll, they'll let me on with, we'll, with Truck It we'll Up? Truck It Up, yeah. Think I, think so? I don't know. We'll ask the bosses. We're ready to go. Truck It Up, live on Fox Sports <laughs> 1. So, we, Brad. Um, now how about this? It's time to Truck It Up, live on Fox Sports 1. I like it. I think it would be good. Let's Truck It Up. I like when we do the side-by-side commercial. That's called Keep On Trucking. Oh. Let's Keep On Trucking. Ooh, that's a good one. Wow, there's so many stories. Brad sat here for over two hours talking about his journey from Michigan to NASCAR champion. So we're going to split this episode into two parts. Maybe uh, enjoy what we have this week, and then we'll be back again next week to enjoy more Brad Keselowski with you. Thanks for tuning in to Walter Fun Filtered. Be sure to tell all your friends about our show. You can add us on your favorite podcast app. You can also catch tidbits of the program on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Fox Sports YouTube channel. We're everywhere. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week.